Hey guys, welcome to Unexpressed with Anella Hannig. I'm your host, Anella Hannig, and this is the podcast that talks about life, business, and entrepreneurship in a way that's not typically expressed. The goal of this podcast is to open the world up to the unexpressed thoughts within these categories. And with that, let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Unexpressed. I'm your host, Anella Hannock, and with me today are two amazing Chicago real estate agents. Please welcome Anessa Hannock and Megan Lufred, who are part of the Sergio and Banks group. What's up, guys? Hi, what's up? Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you guys here with me today. So why don't you guys tell me a little bit about how you got involved in real estate and what you like about it the most? Um... So I actually came into real estate accidentally. I was supposed to um, do software sales in Denver, Colorado, and ended up, because of COVID, everything kind of fell apart. Um, So I ended up finding a real estate company in Chicago, and I was like, commission only, that kind of seems a little scary, but I was 22, fresh out of school, figured that was the best time to do it. And yeah, just just went in for it and have loved it ever since and going into my third year. So it was an exciting experience. That's awesome. What about you, Anessa? So my real estate days go back to uh, my senior year of high school, actually. I was in this preschool class and the for high school kids, whatever. And (laughs) the teacher of that class was like, hey, I know a local company that's hiring. If you want to work, they're looking for like a minimum wage real estate agent and I was like sure so I went I got this interview I was like 17 at the time I interviewed at this like local property management company and when I turned 18 they were like you should get your broker's license and at the time I was like I'll just get my leasing license so I got my leasing license and I was this like little 18 year old girl like getting ready to go to college I'm like this seems kind of fun I was like knocking on people's doors trying to like give them five day notices because they didn't they didn't pay their rent and I was like showing apartments and it was like so crazy but then when I graduated from Mizzou I um, got licensed and when the pandemic hit it like my career really took off so I've just been in it since then but I've been on and off since I was 18 and I'm 26 now so it's been uh it's been a crazy ride Wow, that does sound crazy. Did you guys start off doing buy and sell or were you in doing rentals? How did that all work and what do you guys like more about it? I feel like this kind of applies to both of us, but I know Anessa obviously started earlier than I did, but we were at a rental brokerage, a luxury rental brokerage, and we mainly were based downtown. So we started out in that and really hit the ground running because COVID, the deals were so good. Rent was so accessible for everybody. Um, So we were doing, I would say, four times the amount of volume that most brokers would do just on rentals. And it was a super uh, lucrative business at the time because we could literally help anybody. Um, So we really started out in rentals and then we've now pivoted into buy-sell as well. So starting out with rentals and then all of those people are just continuing to either rent or they end up buying so we kind of have a taste of of everything awesome anessa i would say that 90 percent of brokers or real estate agents start out with rentals because it is a little bit you know easier to get clients right and there are more people renting in general than than purchasing at least in my experience and in my career but it really does turn into like a relationship-based business where you are you do start with rentals and renters and those people turn into buyers and that's what Megan and I are seeing now after you know doing exclusively rentals for the last two years now our our clients from you know who rented from us are now starting to slowly convert into buyers and it's just gonna get better so awesome and I know you guys mentioned COVID a lot and that kind of boosted your career in a way so how how has COVID fully affected you you know when it first started versus how it is now in your career at least within the rentals you guys talk about you know being in Chicago or you guys are in all the different neighborhoods if you branch out do you branch out in the suburbs at all or no uh I haven't (laughs) Megan I've I've done it and it hasn't really paid off so I'm just because it's so hard to 
drive a good hour and a half because real estate's so quick for a turnaround. You have to be like ready and on your feet to show people places at any moment. So if you don't live really close, it's kind of a pain and Chicago traffic is just a problem in itself. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, it's not fun. So we primarily are downtown, but if someone's got a nice budget and they're like, hey, I want to go out to Rockford, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so, and I have done it, but um, I think with COVID, just to go back to your other question, um, we, or at least I came into the market at a time where rent was so unrealistic to what the standard market is for Chicago. So, like I said, we were literally able to help anyone which was amazing because people actually got to have that experience of living in a big city for a discount and it was awesome but now we're at a point where the market is stabilizing so rates are going back to normal but during COVID it was awesome because it was a very lucrative business we could do so much volume in such little time but now the market is stabilized and rates are back to what they were so people don't have as much access um to cheaper rates that they used to. Uh, I remember seeing like all of these buildings offering, you know, two month free, three month free, or sign on now for a bonus. How is that? And did, did you guys get a lot of deals because people were hearing about this from other buildings or were you guys promoting that? How did that all work? So I think Megan and I were in a very unique position when COVID hit, with the, when the pandemic hit. And we, I mean, we met working through our last. We met working through our last company, and our last company had very like incredible software, and it was a very cool CRM. And so the thing that a lot of brokers utilize is the MLS, right? So on the MLS, it's everything that's owned privately, um, and that another broker can post. Right? And just a just a quick. You know, for people who don't know what MLS is, can you explain that? Yeah, so it's uh, it stands for Multiple Listing Service, and it essentially is where if a broker gets a listing, they will post it on there for other brokers to be able to access. So it is the entire private rental market or uh, purchase and sell market, right? So with the company that we were at, we had technology that had access to rental buildings. And so just to break it down, the difference between a rental building and a private condo is that rental buildings are owned and operated by companies, right? So like large property management companies and each company has its own website, right? So each building, for example, Evo Union, I know we looked at that building today, they have their own website, they operate with their own kind of property management company and so what's really rare is to see all of these websites consolidated into one search engine. And so that's what our last company introduced to us, right? It was all of these rental buildings, like 300 of them, 300 of the, of the top rental buildings in Chicago with 300 separate websites all consolidated into one search engine, which was amazing. And so what we were able to do is use that software and that platform to give a cohesive experience to every single one of our clients and you know in the description it would say this building's doing two months free this building is doing three months free and so it made a really really good client experience and it made my job way faster way more cohesive like seamless essentially and so i think the software was a big reason why we were able to do the volume of deals that we were doing yes the market was the bee's knees like it was so freaking awesome and you could help anybody live anywhere and rent was really accessible but i think we there a lot of credit is due to the software that we had access to um and it was it was awesome so yeah damn that sounds sorry for the very <laughs> no you're good question. that that Answer. it's amazing what software nowadays can do you know it can make your experience a lot more efficient a lot more exciting and it could also help you guys in terms of your clients and building that client relationship speaking of client relationships i know you know you guys talk about having all these deals going on during covid right you know the market was kind of up and down but it was a lot more affordable back then but how did you guys get most of your clients you know is it mainly were you guys posting ads or were you guys doing outreach like how did that all go about 
That's a great question. And whenever a broker starts real estate, like it really comes down to if you don't have clients, you don't have business, right? And so when we were just starting getting clients and stuff, it was it was fairly difficult because you're like, I need clients. But again, luckily we were at a company that had this process down, right? So a lot of the leads were generated through the company. Um, but on the other end, social media during the pandemic blew up, right? Like TikTok, Instagram, like no one had anything better to do besides be on social media all day, right? Like myself included. <laughs> um, and so it really was a lot of targeted outreach, like follow up and stuff like that. But we've gotten better at follow up now than we did back in the day. Um, and I think more people in general were just looking to move back in the day. So it was a lot easier to get clients through social media because the the supply of clients was like endless, right? And that and like everything being digital too. Right. Everyone was stuck at home. All people could do was use their laptops, phones, computers, sure. etc. So it was a lot easier for you guys to kind of target those clients, I guess. Yeah, and I would say now then it was a lot easier to get clients because they were like, oh my God, I could live in a one bedroom for 1500 in downtown Chicago. And now the rates are like a good thousand more than that per month. Um, so I would say now we did like more of a burn and churn model with rentals. And now because we're more shifting into buy and sell, it's a lot more nurturing and caring and more of a slow paced, which is normally the rate of real estate. So following up with clients, sending them gifts, taking them out, like building an actual relationship with them rather than just finding them a place and then dumping them and then following up the next year because a lot of times agents do that, but it's really making them your friend and creating this experience that they remember. So that way down the road, as you continue to be in their lives, they're going to be like, oh my God, wait, Anessa, I remember her. Like my friend's looking for a place right now. I'll let them know and connect them together. So I think that's been the biggest eye-opening experience is really having that nurturing aspect of it's not just finding them at home it's becoming their friend and being in their lives absolutely and i'm sure referrals are a big part of you know how you guys get your clients people refer to you and like you said they remember your experience they remember your face they remember your attitude that first impression has to be so it absolutely is and i think that's something that we have learned over time that your business comes from your clients that you work with because there's the passive prospecting which is the social media and the active is going to be going out and actually building those relationships with your clients or your your current clients i will add to that so right now megan and i are a part of the sergio and banks group they're a group within app properties um and so i would emphasize on the importance if you are starting in your career in real estate to find a group that is established and the reason i bring that up is because Right now, our team at you know the Sergio and Banks team, they have a ton of their own listings because they are experienced agents in the game. And obviously with their permission, we can post these ads or post these listings on our social media, our Facebook, our TikTok, our Instagram. And we can bring in attraction and clients through other people's um, listings, right? They are in our group though, so it's a little bit different, but I would say start there and advertise, you know, the listings that your group has or the listings that your managing broker can provide you um, and use that to draw people in because, you know, you, for example, if you post um, your friend Bob, his listing, eight people reach out to you on that listing. Well, only one of them can rent it. What are you going to do with those seven other people? right like now those are your clients and so that's a strategy that's worked really well for us um but it is important to find you know some established agents that will provide you the permission to to post on on their behalf but um that that strategy has worked out really great for us absolutely kind of like building a good foundation and then building from there absolutely i know you guys talked a little bit about social media being a really big part of your job and being a really big part of how you guys find clients is it hard for you to manage social media obviously me being biased as a social media manager I have worked with real estate agents 
is it hard for you guys to constantly think of, you know, creating content or creating graphics or posting this listing, doing that while you're also prospecting and sending emails and following up with clients, doing showings? How do you guys deal with the social media side of stuff? I'm also biased because I use Anella Hammock for my social media marketing and management. Nellex. Nellex. Uh, shout out to her. Um, I would say I have no, I feel like I'm a boomer. Like I have no interest in social media. I don't even know how to like put audio no on a video. No offense to the boomers. Yeah. No offense to the boomers, but you guys don't know what you're doing and neither do I. Um, so I knew I needed to really take into account someone that was more of an expert in it and knew what they were doing. Because we are already doing a full-time job with prospecting and a ton of admin work. Like real estate is so much, it's, I would say 70% admin work and 30% doing everything else. So I'm like, well, I got to, you know, target as many people as I can and have as much access and a larger audience. So the best way that I can do that is through social media. So through Anella, through you, I've been able (laughs) to um, really do that. And it's been crazy to see like, one viral video I know we did a couple months ago and getting leads from it and converting them is been awesome and it's been really really good like the leads are very committed they are able to see your whole page and see you as a person that you can't fully access just by like a phone call they could look at my account and say oh my god like I love the work that you're doing she goes to all these different buildings and she has personality and she seems cool so there's an art to it that I don't understand and quite frankly don't think I would want to invest in figuring out I'd rather give the business and have someone else who knows what they're doing really articulate and be able to expand um, my brand with me and that Um, just you know is part of being a business owner too you want to focus on the most important part of your job so branching out if you can give something up and have someone else take it over you totally should again I might sound a little biased but I feel like a lot of business owners do that you know they get to a certain point where they're like okay I can you know take this admin work and give it for someone else to take over. I can take the social media part of it and have someone else handle it. And it, it benefits you in the long run. I think it does. I just didn't. There's so much to (laughs) social media. You're like, well, the trends just changed this week by, you know, this spectrum. So we're going to have to, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how do you know what's happening? So for me, it's really an art and it's like rocket science to me. So I have no fucking idea what, how you do it but it's on top of all the new apps that are coming out like tiktok is still relatively new Uh, yeah now they're now tiktok is adding it's called now but they're copying be real basically so didn't even know and (laughs) well there you go you learn something new every day but all these platforms instagram facebook or it's called meta now they're copying tiktok so just staying on top of that, I know I'm getting off topic, but I get so excited about this. But you, I'm sure you guys use reels and videos and short form videos a lot for your business to get kind of creative, show the apartments, show your personality, like Megan was saying. How do you have time to record all this? Megan, I know you're saying I help you a lot with that, so obviously I assist you. It's Nellex, that's my answer. <laughs> um, Anessa, do you currently have someone running your social media or helping you? I feel like there's a right answer to this question. Um, I have started recently working with Nellex. We actually just filmed a YouTube video today. So I, the way that I've approached my social media as a brand or as a broker has been minimal compared to, to Megan and hiring a content creator. So what I do is I kind of like live stream my experience in real estate. So for example, if I am at a showing with a client, I will, you know, record the rental building that we're in or the condo that we're in and, you know, the the now it's on my story. Or if something gets rented or sold or listed, you know, now it's on my Instagram and everybody and all my followers know that me and my twelve hundred followers, guys, nothing crazy. <laughs> but now everybody knows that, you know, I have this new listing or that I just rented out a unit and that's the way that I've approached my social media up until this point. Um, but I did just start a real estate YouTube channel. Woo! Okay. Know, really exciting. Yeah. I've only posted shorts so far um, because I'm 
I just filmed my first YouTube video today. Actually, it was a tour of a West Loop rental building. Um, I know I mentioned it earlier. Anel and I went. And I'm really awkward. Uh, I'm not <laughs> – I don't think I'm really awkward in person. Like, I think I'm pretty social and – it's very easy for my personality to come out when I'm not on camera, but you put me in front of a camera and I'm like, hey guys, welcome like, to my that? YouTube. It's, it's definitely a game changer. Not <laughs> not everyone can handle it. It might seem like a very simple thing to do, but it's very hard to be in front of a camera. It's like cringe. <laughs> point to make. So I think <laughs> I am very camera shy and I think over the last year, Anella has really helped me come out of that. Like, I do some weird, sh not weird shit. It's weird to me. But I used to, like, the first time I ever did a video, Anella's like, why do you look like you're about to beat somebody up? She's like, can you just, like, look calm and actually inviting to the camera? So I think the biggest thing, too, is if you are going to have somebody help with your social media, make sure that it's someone that you're comfortable with and that you're confident with, which Anella helps me do. Whereas if it were someone that I was like intimidated by and was self-conscious around or insecure, like that would not help you show your personality because social media is so much about that, like showing who you actually are and you need somebody as a support system that will help you do that and give you that confidence. Absolutely. And you know, if clients are looking at your videos, they're not going to want to be <laughs> scared of them. They're like I'm not going to touch this girl at all. You know? Yeah, of course. Like if you're bubbly, happy, smiling, and you're cheerful, your clients are going to be like, wow, I really want to be with this girl. Like yeah. she seems so fun. And you know, that's the great thing about social media is you guys can do that and can post it out there. And now with videos being a big thing in everybody's world and every single social media platform, you guys have a great advantage there. Whereas before all these videos, you had the regular horizontal long videos on YouTube, but before you guys were probably just doing emails and the traditional marketing business cards are a thing now. I mean, or, <laughs> or, <laughs> business cards were a thing. Now it's like all digitalized. Like, have you guys ever seen like the, someone going up to you and they're like, scan the QR code for Can my I business card. Can I make a comment? Sure. I, oh, I don't know if I should say this, but I don't love the idea of business cards and I'll explain Every time I've gotten someone's business card, I've never looked at it a second time. I use it as a gum wrapper, to be honest. Megan uses it as a gum wrapper. You've heard it here first. Here's why. Because wow. nowadays, literally, you know, business cards were a thing back then because no one had cell phones. So you would take someone's business card, go home, go to your office, call them off your landline, right? Like you needed business cards. All you need is someone's phone number nowadays. That's all you need. You can get their email through text if you forget to get it in person. You can get their email over the phone. Like, if someone gives me a business card, I will literally never look at it again. And odds are, if they give me a QR code to scan, I will also never go back to the <laughs> website and scan to, like, no. And I, I know that's a hot take, unpopular opinion, or maybe it is a popular opinion, but <laughs> I think it's, you know, like, if I want to work with someone and I meet someone unconventionally that wants to work with me professionally, I would say, what's your phone number? And that's it. That's all you need. I don't know. What do you guys think? I would say the biggest, like everyone has a business card. Everyone, even now, I guess more so is getting social media. So I think the biggest thing is figuring out like, how are you going to stand out? Like, what is your niche? Like what, when people think of you, I would want them to think like, oh my God, she's amazing with first time home buyers. Like that's why I would want to reach out to this realtor versus another one. Or they're really good in new construction. So like you can get a million business cards, but I think you have to figure out and like do a little soul searching to figure out what exactly is your niche. And I'm straying away from business cards a little bit, but I'm trying to circle it back to the fact that everybody has a business card. Everybody does that. Like how are you going to be able to make yourself different so that way people think of you and not somebody else? that makes sense. I kind of agree with you guys on the whole business card thing. I I like business cards. I think they're nice to have in case you want to pass it out. I hate the QR codes. I think it's completely useless. I don't think anyone would ever use that. Um, but I I like business cards. But yeah, I get where I get your point. It might not be as beneficial. You can quickly get their phone number or email and start, you know, retargeting them. I will say though, people always ask me for them and I never have them on hand. I'm like, uh, I, they're in my car. Or like I have to go <laughs> figure out uh, finding them somewhere. 
But I, it's, I think I just, when people ask me for them, I'm like, I know you're not going to do anything with this. So, like, right. why are you asking for it? Like, the amount of times that we have been asked, like, if we have conversations in Ubers or at restaurants, it does come up. But I just don't think people actually use them because it's so saturated of market. So that's why I think people tried with the QR codes to make things more unique but again like you said i've never used the qr code thing i'm like i'll just look up their name and find it you know so um i think it is nice and it's tangible i think it shows you that you're put together to have the business cards but i at the end of the day i know they're just gonna throw it out so all right so we're gonna kind of go into talking about i know you guys have touched up on you know getting your own clients you know with that comes making your own schedule and with everything that you guys have to do, your showings, your prospecting, your admin work, how do you guys organize your schedule? Because you're essentially not your own boss, but it's your own business. So if you're not doing anything, you're not making anything. How do you guys, I guess, go about your day? How do you keep yourself disciplined? Yeah. So just like you said, if you, you know, if you don't have any discipline or if you don't have any clients, you don't have a business. Um, because every single day in real estate looks different, like there are no two days that look the same ever. Um, it is it is really difficult sometimes to have a set schedule and follow it because things are always changing. Like, you know, right now on my schedule, I have, you know, wake up, right? Prospect for three hours, right? Keep going. Oh, sorry, I got a little distracted. Um, so right now on my schedule, I have wake up and prospect, right? I usually prospect the first few hours in the morning, but you know, if someone the night before had reached out to me and said, Hey, can we see this building at 10 AM the next day? Guess what? I'm not going to prospect the full time that I have set because I need to show somebody this building. I need to show my client this, this listing. Um, so it is difficult in that way because everything's always changing but I think for the most part if you have a outline and you try to follow it to the best of your ability it can be extremely useful yeah I would say the biggest thing that changed my perspective is there's motivation and then there's discipline so you could be super motivated to have a million dollars make a million dollars in sales this year but really what you have to do is be able to discipline yourself and be very strict with what you're doing every day um, because you guys are distracting me. Sorry. <laughs> like, oh, Parking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, why don't you just pod, pause the podcast? That's fine. I Go. couldn't answer my question. She couldn't answer Do you want to just do it over? Just do it over then. Yeah, can we just do it over? I mean, sure. Just ask the question. I forgot what the question was. How do you guys structure your day? Like schedule? Okay. How do you guys structure your day? How do you keep yourself disciplined and make sure you're on top of all your work? Yeah. I would say to everything that Anessa said, like we're pretty cohesive with the schedules that we have because we're both kind of in the same spot in real estate. But I would say there's a difference between being motivated and having discipline so totally you, agree with that yeah like you'd be like okay i want to do five million in sales this year or i want to hit you know 250 rentals whatever it may be you can be super motivated by that but you have to have structure and you have to have discipline it's the same as like going to the gym you can't just be able to um sorry i really distracted me i need to start over um what's wrong with the camera it turned off because there's probably it. not much memory in there so i'm probably just gonna record you guys off my phone okay so just start over from your question or you were doing good just go off your last sentence do you want to put the camera up there or your phone yeah like how it's fine just i'll just record you guys from here it's a better angle okay okay um i forget where i was motivation and discipline you're like there's a really big difference between them if you want to do five million in sales yeah oh okay so yeah if you want to do like five million dollars in sales you have to not just have a goal for yourself you have to have a structure to it um there's a saying and i can't remember it right now i'm really blanking it's losers have oh losers have goals and winners have systems and like that's totally stuck with me it's 
the fact that you're able to get up every day and do what you need to do to get through it it's like going to the gym you're able to obviously work out as much as you can and you're motivated by that but you are going to get old of that motivation the same applies to real estate or owning your own business in general you have to have the discipline in order to keep going every day and one thing that we also really stand by is that just wake up and pretend like you're at zero every day like don't think about the five million that you just closed in sales what are you going to keep doing to propel yourself and to keep yourself going is really how I get through my day with the structure that I have. And I think what I really like about how you said or what you said is motivation, discipline, two very different things. And it's not about the days where you get up and you go do it. It's about the days where you feel like you don't want to do it and you still do it anyway. And I think that's like what going counts to the, the gym. Most. Exactly. You know, you could wake up. I'm not really feeling the gym. You go anyway. That's what counts it's the consistency that's what's going to keep you going and keep your business afloat and kind of get you towards your goal well awesome thanks for answering that question you guys i think it was really inspiring and eye-opening so with that what i'm kind of going to dive into now is talking a little bit about the pros and cons of your job so what do you like about it what sucks about it give us the details the nitty-gritty details you want the tea I want the tea. Yes, this is tea time. Um, tea talk. I think that so, I know we just talked about having to have structure in order to be successful or excuse me, needing to have structure in order to be successful. This job has zero structure and me and Megan are the ones that make the structure for ourselves. So I know that a lot of people that, you know, choose to work corporate roles or you know, roles that have a specific pay tied to them is because of the structure, is because of the guaranteed pay, is because of the security. Um, and safety net that you have. Security necessity to have a safety net, right, which is totally okay. And I've been there and I've done that. Um, with real estate, you don't have that. You, you are zero dollars. You make zero dollars and every client you have and every dollar you earn is through commission. It's 100% commission. Um, and so that is the part that is really scary sometimes and that's the biggest con, right? Because if, for example, right now the market, because the interest rates are so high and rentals are moving a little bit slow because you know everyone's renewing and rates are so high, rental rates, it's a slow market. And that is really scary for you know someone that has three years of experience to, uh, to be to experience this market right now and that part is terrifying because like I need clients in order to have business and if the market is slow and I have less clients than I'm used to then it it stresses me out because that's how I make money right so that's probably the biggest con is the the ebb and flow of of the market and just the role in general right it always ends up being worth it because there's no other this there's no other job like this in the world it's like you do make your own schedule right that's a given with anybody that is not on a salaried role or an hourly role you do make your own schedule you are your own boss you do you know get to do things the way that you want so that's obviously the biggest pro but i think it you know at the end of the day like we have bad days too and we get stressed very easily and you look back at the end of every month and you're like Honestly, that was still worth it. Like, I thought I was going to have a horrible month, October 1, and then, you know, October 31st, I'm going to look back and be like, oh, that actually wasn't that bad. But the day-to-day seems, you know, really scary because this is your livelihood. Absolutely. And how you say 100% commission, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you guys also give a lot of your time to these people, to different clients, to anyone who's looking for an apartment. You guys don't get paid for that. You get paid based on if they sign or not. And I know some other states like New York, the agents do get paid based on their time and then plus the commission. So for you in Chicago, it's a little different, but you're putting so much time into, you know, these people and yourself and everything. So it could be, I can see how stressful it can be. Megan, do you have any thoughts for that? Yeah, I would say, um, obviously the pros and cons that Anessa listed, I agree with a hundred percent. One thing that really stuck out to me is that sale, in order to be a good salesperson, you have to have empathy. And I've always, always stuck with that. Like it has stuck with me since I was 18, meeting my mentor 
and I've just carried it throughout my career so far. So when you approach sales that way, you really let these people become your friends and I feel like I'm making a difference in their life. And especially from the sales side, I've really seen this where people are like, this is my home, like this is my forever home, it's my largest asset and I'm so proud of it. And being able to be along that journey with them is really rewarding. The money's great too, but like other than that. (laughs) The money's the best part. Yeah, Um, but being able to be that person for them and make that decision with them is I would say a really big pro for me. And then a con is that I love to have control and there is no control in real estate, zero. Like every, your success is based off of everyone else. Like yes, you obviously have to put in the work, but the agent could be really shitty or the client could ghost you, whatever it may be, or that someone else ends up outbidding you. Like you really have no control. So learning to have patience is probably the hardest part for me and the biggest con. Oh, I bet. I honestly would sometimes I could be the most impatient person ever. And I can't even imagine how much patience it like your job requires. Um, I also think it's interesting how you said, you know, when clients ghost you, what do you, how do you guys deal with that? When, you know, you're talking to a client, they look like they're interested and then all of a sudden they stop talking to you. It's like, you know, that one guy you really wanted to talk to or girl. <laughs> so I think what's worked really well for me um, in this, in situations like this is that intro call. So I always have an intro call with every single client I work with. Like I will not work with somebody if they refuse to get on the phone with me. Um, So basically what I mean by that is I have an intro call with everyone to one, just see if we're compatible to work as, you know, client and broker. Um, And at the end of every single call, I say, listen, in the state of Illinois, the way that it works is you do not pay a broker for the service, right? So you do not pay me a single penny throughout this entire process. I work for you for free. The way that I make my money is from the building or property that you choose to move into. So they know that I'm 100% commission when they work with me. I, I let them know every single time that, listen, I don't get paid until you move in and you don't pay me at all in this process. So I just want you to be aware of that and I want us to be a team throughout this entire process. So then it kind of calms them down because they're like, you know, you've set their expectations. Now they're not worried about like, well, what if I, I I didn't talk about this, like they didn't talk about it, so like maybe it's free. There's no assumptions. It's not left to assumptions. You are setting their expectations. You are letting them know exactly how the process works. And I think a lot of people appreciate that if you, it's like kind of like giving someone an itinerary or like telling someone the plan. People feel more comfortable going through the process if they know what to expect every step of the way. And I do the same thing when I prepare them for the market, right? So during COVID, I would you know let people know how many deals there are out there and how quickly you have to move if you want to secure the best price unit. And even right now, we're telling people that there's still bidding wars on rentals and you have to be prepared if you're looking at private condos to maybe pay a little bit more versus rental building. So I think setting expectations on that first intro call, one, allows the client to fully trust you in this process, but also it kind of just like helps them understand where you're coming from and then they don't really want to waste your time, right? Have you, sorry to cut you off, but have you noticed a difference have you noticed a difference um, in doing that? So when you explain to a client, kind, <laughs> when you explain to a client, <laughs> whoa, you want to give that another shot? <laughs> okay, third time's a charm. When you explain to a client that you're a hundred percent commission, the building pays you; they don't pay you for anything. Have you noticed a difference? Like, do people go through with you more? Or- have you been less ghosted? <laughs> ghosted? Uh, I've noticed a little bit of a difference. I mean, I don't really operate in a reality where I don't say that and I don't mention that. So I don't exactly know what it looks like without being transparent uh, on the front end. So I want to answer your question, but I still get ghosted. 
right? Like I still get ghosted by people. I still have clients that, you know, end up seeing another place with another broker or will go off on their own and see a place and end up signing. Like that still happens to me, but I think I've almost not perfected the craft, but perfected the craft, right? And I... I kind of know when somebody's going to waste my time based on how receptive they are either at the first showing or on the phone call or even like leading up to the showings. If I'm setting stuff up and people are very, very engaged even through text and phone call, then I feel good about it. But if they're like not receptive and not responsive, then I honestly would probably just cancel the showings and be like, hey, you know, um, it doesn't seem like this is a priority for you. so." Maybe maybe let me know when you're ready instead of, like, forcing them. Absolutely. Megan? I just did that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, just told this. I think we've learned to become very uh, blunt because it is our time that's very valuable. So, yeah, I would just say the biggest thing when – because you are going to get ghosted in real estate. It doesn't matter how many years of experience you have. Like I said, the con is that you don't have the control. So – their parent could be in the hospital or they could have some other family emergency that you can't control and they aren't moving anymore or they lost their job. Like it could be so many different things. And it made me realize that there is so much shit that are in people's lives and you have to be compassionate about it and empathetic towards it. So I've learned to, while I still get pissed off about it, I've learned to really not be as apathetic about that as possible and do not take it personally um, so we just are very blunt. Like yesterday I told a client, I'm like, you're not taking this, you're not prioritizing this. And I've been prioritizing it for a while. So I think let's just put a pause and you reach out to me when you're ready. And I think you just have to be very direct. And usually you do get responses that way. Cause people are like, Whoa, did she really just call me out right now? And then they feel the need to respond. And if they don't, then it's their loss and you're expecting better clients to come from that. Yeah, nothing worse than being called out on your shit. Yeah, we're pretty we're pretty good at that, I would say. I think that's some really good advice, especially, you know, being your own business order. You have to kind of be assertive, direct. You have to take control of that situation. For the little control that you do have, that's something you could control. Right. You don't always have to be super nice, like, oh, yeah, take your time, whatever. Yeah. Like, no. it, it could backfire on you. Mm-hmm. So being assertive being direct with the client and telling them hey are you taking this seriously yes or no just give me a straight answer and then that'll kind of help you out and I feel like a lot of times it's really not personal like every issue that people have it's really based on miscommunication like we don't know what's going on in their lives so I've really come to peace with that realization yeah I will add to that like from the the point of a client's perspective or from a client's perspective, like if you call them out, that gives them the opportunity to be transparent as well. So it's kind of a relief for them if they're like, oh my gosh, thank goodness this person, you know, called me out because I really don't want to work with them. <laughs> and sending yeah. that really blunt task text of like, hey, do you, you want to look for an apartment or a home or not? That puts the ball in their court to be like, you know what, right now is not a good time. At least you got an answer. And that's the most important part so you can, you know, spend your time elsewhere. So that, you know, that's that's the bright side. Of course. And again, it's all about using your time wisely. So if you the quicker you can get an answer, the better for you, I guess. Um, well, awesome. That was great. I think one topic that I really, really want to dive into into with you guys, and I think when people think of real estate, this is the biggest thing that they think of uh investments so uh investing in a building investing in a condo a home not a lot of people think of that as an investment opportunity but what do you guys think about real estate investments do you think they're very essential to add to your investing portfolio you know the market right now probably isn't that great with all the rates and everything but give us some insight on what your thoughts about that is if you're gonna be here in a, if you're going to be in a city or wherever for at least two years and you have some savings and a decent credit score, you should be buying. And I know that's hard for a lot of people because they may not financially be stable enough or they may be working on their credit. But the biggest thing is educating yourself. And that's what we're here for as agents is to educate you. Um, rent is 100% interest. So 
each year that you're continuing to rent, it is just going out the door. Whereas even if you buy a condo, at least you're building something for yourself and you can say like, this is mine, this is my equity that I'm building. Real estate is one of the only assets that appreciates. A car, dumbest fucking thing you can buy if, <laughs> if you're trying to invest in something because yeah. it depreciates. As but soon as you drive it off, that, that it's done. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think that's something that people are like, well, I don't have the money to buy. And it's like, maybe you do. And you just need to have a source that's going to educate you and get with a really good lender that can help you achieve your goals. Because real estate is one of the best investments you can make. And I think a lot of people think it's so far reaching and it really isn't. So I would say education is the biggest thing. Um, you don't have to put 20% down for every single thing that you buy. And that's when you go to a good lender and figure out, okay, how much do I actually have to put down? And is this the right time for me? Should I build up my credit more? Stuff like that. There's so many avenues you can go down. Um, so I'm a big, very firm believer in investing. I'm only 24. I finally have enough of employment history that I can buy and I'm going to even though rates are 7% because I know that at the end of the day I can refinance and people probably don't even know what that means that are listening to this podcast so it just is a matter of education and informing your clients of the options that they have so that way they can achieve that goal absolutely and I think the education part of it is huge not many people know how to you know go through it how the whole process works of investing into a building what goes into it do you need to put 20 percent down are there programs out there where you don't have to put that much down and stuff like that i think people definitely need to be more aware of it and that's a very great point that you made anessa right i will add to that i do think that you know a lot of people look at it at, fa at face value of this property is four hundred thousand dollars i need to put 20 percent down i don't have that money i'm just gonna rent Right. And it's so easy to rent. Like, it's so easy. It, it could, it's like a four day turnaround if you're, you know, in crunch time. But I also think that people associate purchasing uh, pr property purchasing with long term and being stuck with this property. So, like, there's nothing wrong with purchasing a starter property that is a little bit less, you know, expensive and it might not be that your dream home that you've thought about with, you know, your white picket fence and your husband and wife and children and dog and you know whatever your preference is, but it's okay to have a smaller, more affordable one bedroom, two bedroom condo that you can live in because you're always going to need somewhere to live, right? For the first 5-6 years of your career and then you can do anything with that condo. You can renovate it and sell it. You can sell it. You can rent it out. You can you can do anything with it, right? And I think a lot of people have this fear of like, now I'm stuck with this. I'm stuck with this. It's a 30-year commitment. I don't know how to get rid of it or whatever. But it's really not that complicated. Like, it's, it's actually super simple. So, And that's why I would just recommend for anybody that's even considering purchasing in the next few years if you're even considering it go talk to a lender you can reach out to Megan and I we can connect you with somebody go talk to a lender and see what your options are they don't have to run your credit score they don't have to they don't have to you know get you set up with a pre-approval right now but they can guide you and inform you of what you can afford and it actually may be way more you know affordable and easier than you think it would be absolutely I also think adding to that and you guys can agree with me or disagree but I think there's a stigma around the young demographic where as soon as you're done with college, you know, you've built up all this debt or you don't, you didn't go to college, but there's a stigma where it's like, you have to leave your home. You have to move out of your parents' house as soon as you can. And the first thing people do is go and rent. Like you said, it's the easiest thing to do. Why doesn't anyone want to buy instead? Or, you know, take that one extra year, save up and buy something that could, you know, in the long term, help you out. What do you guys think about that and that stigma towards the young, de young demographic? I think it's exactly what I just said is that people feel like they're stuck with this commitment and it's a 30 year commitment and they're in their 20s and they're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing next weekend. How am I supposed to know what I'm doing, you know, 30 years from now when this mortgage is, you know, supposed to be paid off? And I think that's that's the problem, right? And then again, it comes back to to first time homebuyers not knowing 
what or not being educated around what they actually need to put down so i think it's down payment right nobody you know to move into a rental you pay one month's rent typically or an administrative fee if you're moving into a rental building but a security deposit if you're moving into a private condo and putting down seventeen hundred dollars opposed to ten thousand dollars or thirty thousand dollars or whatever is scary for people and i think nobody at this young of an age you know is oh is okay with that big of a commitment um so i think that's really the, the main problem i don't know uh i would say covid made everything way more accessible so you can work from home where's home to you you could be in austin one year you could be in california the next year you could find somebody and pick up and move to where they live like you have so much access now because covid completely changed the way that people work from home so I think it's that fear of, of commitment, even to like a couple of years. They're like, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing next year. So I think it's that COVID has completely changed that because you don't have to go into the office anymore. You can literally work from anywhere. Um, but I will say one thing that has stuck with me. And that is if you are afraid to rough it for a year or two years, then you care too much about what people think. And that really opened my eyes to, wow, I am going to rough it for a year in an investment property in an area that I may not want to live in because I want to build equity. And there's so many ways that you can get an investment property and only put 5% down. And I'm just saying this because to everybody out there that's listening, that is what you should be doing. You should not be getting a single family home you should get an investment property rent out all the units build equity on something that you couldn't afford and just rough it for a year and that's what I'm planning on doing I think everybody should do that um, because there's so many ways that you can make money in real estate by investing not just in the single family home so I think that quote really stuck with me um, I really got off topic there but I really had to say it so no we love it we get <laughs> off topic here all the time yes yes but um yeah, to the point of the stigma, I think COVID really changed that too because you can literally work from everywhere and that gives people an excuse to not commit to where they're living. Absolutely. So. I agree with you both. I think you guys gave some great insight and to everybody listening, I hope you guys learned some shit from that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to start wrapping it up a little bit so why don't you guys close us off by giving your best piece of advice that you have for any young individual or anyone that wants to transition their career into real estate you know getting started what is your best piece of advice my biggest piece of advice and this literally applies to any type of career you want to get into ask for help mentors can take you further than than you could imagine like having a good mentor and having someone that makes you feel safe while you're learning because learning can be scary right like you want to be a broker or you want to be a content creator or you want to be a social media manager whatever your goals and desires are like it's kind of scary to get out there if you don't know what you're doing and my biggest piece of advice would just be to ask for help because that's gonna take you the furthest. People want to help. Like, if someone came up to me and said, what class should I take to get started? Or how did you get business? Or who's your social media manager? Like, people wanna help. Everybody loves human connection. Everybody loves building relationships. Everybody, I don't know a person who is in a sales role or who is in you know, a business owner that doesn't want to help because they know the value and the power of asking for help and having a strong mentor. Right. And this person doesn't have to be your mentor through the whole process. It could be at certain points, right? But I would say that's, you know, worked the best for me and I'm not afraid to ask for help because it's only going to help me. It's only going to excel my career and it'll get me there faster. Like talking to someone who knows what they're doing makes your life so easy like why don't you just do it so um if anybody has any questions feel free to reach out to me about anything absolutely and i think asking for help i 100 percent agree with that and the people that are 
you know, professionals in their career, they want to help you. They love when you ask them questions. I love when I get asked questions about social media. Ask me any single time. And I'm sure you guys love when people ask you stuff about real estate and you're like, oh, I know that. Yeah. Let me help you. What about you, Megan? What's your best piece of advice? Because it kind of piggybacks off of Vanessa, because people are there to help you pardon my language, but take the fucking risk and do what you've been wanting to do with your life. I was going to do a nine to five job, have a salary and move to Colorado. And then this opportunity of having no income and starting completely from scratch in one of the most expensive cities working on commission only sounded like a better option to me. I don't know why, but (laughs) sounds like a great option. It was the risk. I was like, if I don't do this now, when would I have the opportunity? And I've seen people that work in corporate jobs for, you know, 15, 20 years, and then they start their own business, like my sister. And I know you're not happy in your nine to five. You don't have to lie to me. You don't have to lie to us and say that it's your passion because no one would want to do that every single day of their life. Like, you want to do what you care about most. And maybe it is that corporate job, but you would want it a specific way. So you would want to open your own branch of it. Um, So I would say take the risk of whatever you're passionate about and seek the help. Like Anessa said, if you don't make that jump to take that risk, then you don't want to live your whole life saying what if. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. And waiting for that perfect moment. There is never a perfect moment. You just got to go for it. Like anything can happen. So (laughs) don't fucking wait. Exactly. Go for it. Take the risk, ask for help, and don't wait on anything. Everybody's like, I'm waiting for that perfect time. There is never a perfect time for anything. You have to just go and learn from being in that journey. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, what's the, what's the quote? It's the journey, not the destination. Also, (laughs) I'm not really sure what the quote is, but I will add, it is kind of like, I don't know. It's the difference between putting yourself in the situation and gaining the experience for yourself and the difference of like reading the directions and seeing someone else go through it. Like you're never really going to know until you put yourself out there and just do it. Cause like I can watch, you know, people in real estate all day, every way. I can watch (laughs) all day, every way. (laughs) Like for example, I could watch selling sunset all day, every day and be like, wow, that's a cool real estate career. Cause it honestly, it looks really fun. Um, but at the same time, like that's not how it is day to day. And I would never know, honestly, unless I, you know, took that chance. So that's just me. Like I hate reading directions and, you know, watching stuff. Like I'm a doer, not a seer. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it totally makes sense. Off topic. Um, I need a coffee. All I'm going to say is there's three very different, women in this room we have a scorpio a libra and a taurus and we were all able to make our own businesses at different ages and coming from different backgrounds and situations so there really is no excuse like you can do it you just need the support and the motivation to get yourself through it because you will i feel like all of my podcasts have one way or another mentioned like scorpio and zodiac signs and like taurus so i don't know why but that always gets popped up so i really think we need to make an episode about libras, that libras are the best i would love to be on your next podcast it's libra it's libra season you guys. guys everybody listening it's libra season my birthday is just a few days away i'm about to be I don't even want to say it 27 years old (gasps) 27 is a great age 27 is a great age I'm you know I'm approaching 30 and there's nothing wrong with that I'm I'm embracing it (laughs) every step of the way but um yeah (laughs) well happy early birthday to Anessa and thank you guys again for coming on this podcast and giving us some insight on your career and the real estate uh industry thanks for having us of course honor and if you guys want to tell the viewer, well, not viewers, but the listeners, your socials, so they could follow you, add you, if they want to ask you more questions, feel free to take the time to do that now. Everything I post is under my full name, so Anessa Hannock. Um, mine is my full name, underscore realty, but you guys don't know my full name, so it's Megan with an H, Lou Fred, underscore realty. Please, please follow. 
support. They're on Instagram. They're on TikTok. They're on Facebook. Hit them up. Anella, what's your social media for everybody listening? It's Anella underscore Hannick. Oh, also me and Anella are sisters. Um, Anella and Essa, if you guys couldn't tell by the names, our parents were very creative. <laughs> everybody uses that joke that our parents were very creative. I think they did that on purpose where they were like, let's make it easy and just change one. Let's just letter. change one letter. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Again, thank you guys so much. Everybody listening, be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast if you haven't already. And make sure to hit up Anessa and Megan on all their platforms if you have any more questions. Bye, guys.